This is At A Loss. Welcome. A series of, of conversations about living fully with grief. About having an enriched life when death has made its presence felt. I'm Timothy Giles. I'm a funeral celebrant and host of the podcast series At A Loss. Thank you for joining me. In it, my hope is to bring conversations with people that I, I meet going about my work who have some real insights into conversations and experiences that often, at best, we find really hard and often we just want to turn away from and, and, and not have to go through. But we don't get that choice. In the first few episodes coming up, we have conversations of personal experience around being widowed, suicide. The loss of a child, and then conversations too with people who work with grief, death, and loss. And I guess that's something you deal with a lot. Maria Kura, thank you for coming in. How do you like to be introduced? Because your work role, I've never met someone who does your, your work before. Okay. Okay. I'm a, well, my name is Maria Miller, and I am, first and foremost, I'm a counsellor. Um, but a lot of the work I do is in the area of bereavement support. Um, so I'm there to, I guess, help people or support people at a time that's really difficult. Now, let's talk through the mechanics of your work. Sure. You work at the Grief Centre. Yes, I do. How do you get clients? So the way that the Grief Centre works for the work that I do um the Grief Centre has a relationship with various different funeral homes around the country. Um, and when somebody dies, the funeral home obviously does their part of it. So they handle all those arrangements and the burial and the memorial service. But then they pass on the details of the family to us. Um, and we contact them usually around six, seven weeks after the death. Um, with the main aim of being to check in, to see how they're doing, see if they need some support. See if they need someone to talk to. Can I just... <clears throat> I've had some interesting jobs in my life that I've really enjoyed and, and some and some varied ones, which I feel really lucky to have done and, and some of them challenged me. But I'm just thinking about you turning up to work and there's your to-do list. And so I'm going, oh, OK, right, who's on my list today? Oh, I need to ring Maria. OK, get the number out. Haven't met you before, but your number comes up. And it's like, oh, Maria, hi, um, it's Timothy Giles here. Um, how's that death thing going for you, eh? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It is, it, you know, it is a bit weird in a way sometimes because they, we do send a letter explaining, you know, you know we are the grief centre. This is the work that we do. Someone will be giving you a call. Um. So often, people don't even remember getting that. They get so much mail when someone dies, and they're also in this whole process of sorting out the family, sorting out, sort of recovering from the dust of the funeral, um, all of that, that this thing that's meant to have come in the mail warning them that I'm going to be calling them, sometimes just goes, you know, poof, never seen it. So how do you make that first call? Yeah, it's a weird one. It's not like you're selling... You know, if you were making cold calls and it was like selling it, that, that's truly awful. This is a little bit different because I know what my purpose is. So generally it starts off with, you know, they'll they'll answer the phone and I'll say, oh, hello, 
My name is Maria and I'm a bereavement support worker calling from the Grief Centre on behalf of Davis Funerals. Usually they'll take a minute. <laughs> There's a silence on the end of the phone often and you're thinking, uh-oh. And then they will say, oh, oh, okay. And then you can go on and say, look, this is just a call to check in just to see how you're getting on. I understand. So often we'll be told who's passed away. So, you know, I'll often say, so I understand that your mum passed away or your dad passed away or someone in your family has passed away or, you know, you've recently lost a wee baby or whatever it is. Um, and then we generally go from there. I have to say, though, not everyone is as receptive to getting our calls as you might imagine. Well, I would have imagined quite a few would not be receptive. Some people, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the most polite way to say this. I have actually had someone once when I called, they said to me, oh, oh, no, 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 not that, no, not the grief thing. No, thank you. And they hung up. And, and that was it. They were someone who had lost somebody. They had lost a son, an adult son. Yeah. And they just, just, no, they didn't want, whatever I was selling, they didn't want it. Well, they didn't want the grief either, right? No, they didn't. But you can't force people to face up to it. Oh, but you can understand that, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. I don't know. No, no, thanks. Yeah. I, the whole reason behind this podcast series for me, the whole vision about a loss is, I want to say no to it. I don't, no, thank you. No. But that's not how the universe has chosen to treat me. I don't get to say no. Nope. I want to. Yeah. Yeah, and that that's perfectly understandable because it's horrible. Grief is awful. There is, you know, there's there's a part of grief that is so painful, so physically painful, emotionally painful. It hurts. It doesn't it's not just your heart that hurts, your whole body hurts. Everything about you hurts. Depending on who you've lost and depending on how the loss occurred. So there's so many different variables and factors that can affect how grief arrives. Here's, here's, door. here's how I'd like to um, run through the conversation in the, in, in the next 20 minutes that we've got, please, Maria. I want to talk about um, what, 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 actually, like, what, what is grief? I'm keen on that. And, and then, you know, the experience of it, how we grieve. Um, some tips too, right? Both on, I mean, yes, for me, if I'm going through grief, but also in this series we have a bunch of conversations with people and, and one thing that has come up as a real theme is that people are surprised by death and that when it arrives we are unprepared right so that's one of the motivators behind at a loss i'm at a loss of what to do help me but the other side is when someone i love or care about or even just know socially um they've lost someone close to them a real theme has been, do I say, um, so you're not married anymore? <laughs> oh, um, one less son, huh? Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> our, 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 our engineer here behind um, Ada Lots, you know, Jesse, is, was, was saying, oh, I feel really awkward about, I mean, what is, I hear people say, sorry for your loss. Uh, can you help yeah. with that? Yeah. Yeah. We don't, if, if we can't acknowledge it when it happens to us, how on earth are we supposed to acknowledge it when it's happened to someone else? It is really awkward. The whole death thing is awkward because when someone dies, when we grieve, that person's going to be in pain. And on the whole, we're not very good at handling other people's pain or being with other people's pain. 
we don't know what to say we don't know what to do we don't know what they need and people often also aren't very good at articulating what they need well, you, so, you do this for a job help me out yeah, yeah, yeah so part of my job is to actually help the people who are grieving figure out ways to ask for help figure out ways to tell people i just need i just need to talk or i just need to cry or i actually just need some silence or i just need to be alone because that's that's a thing too and that, being alone is a thing. Yeah, within that first six weeks after the death, it's, there's there's research to show this. People will have, they'll get phone calls, letters, people will be dropping in, bringing food. They're bombarded. And it can become quite overwhelming. But then what often happens is after that period of time, everyone disappears. And suddenly this person who's grieving doesn't know what to do anymore. And they might not be used to wanting to reach out for help. They might not be used to phoning up and saying, hey, I just I just needed to talk to someone. Is it okay if I just sort of bend your ear a bit? You know, can I talk to you, can I talk to you about Jim? People aren't good at that because we're not, generally, we're not good at asking for help. Okay, so you train the person who is at the centre of that loss how to ask for help. Yeah. How do I offer help to, to someone who is at that loss because I, I can't guess do you need dinner do ask you them. want to come you just ask them what do you need now what do you feel you need now what can I do for you now is there someone else that could do something for you now yeah do I have to keep asking no no I think it's enough to sort of ask a few times and just give them let because that, that's a way of letting them know that you're there that you're there for them yeah, because obviously, if you do keep asking, that will get equally annoying. <laughs> You're giving me a look as if I am annoying, Maria. <laughs> <clears throat> you have studied grief. You're you're now doing um, some postgraduate study in it because you're an overachiever. Um, what what is grief? You're so not. <laughs> what is grief? Grief is the reaction to loss, and it's loss of something that is significant to us. Something that means a lot to us. So if you think about death, yeah, which is the most common loss that people think of, it's the loss of a person who we were attached to in some way, shape or form. They, Whether they were our mother, father, you know, husband, wife, partner, whatever they were, Brother, daughter, child, etc, etc. Yes. Et um, we had an attachment to that person. They meant something in our lives. They had a place in our lives. And suddenly they're gone. And that place is empty. And the place is empty. And it gets filled up with grief. Oh, okay. Is it always the same? Like, is it, there was what, um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, is that her name, who did the seven stages of grief? Yes, I mean, yes. Is that... Is that legit? Is, is is there the recipe that I follow through? No. In fact, there's a fantastic diagram which shows you a very beautiful linear kind of line of the seven stages of grief as, as Kubler-Ross presented it. And, you know, a lot of people will bag her um, saying because grief doesn't work that way. But actually at the time that she did it, it was, was in the 50s, and what she was trying to do was to help the medical profession um, to help people understand how grief can affect people. But it's not a chronological chronological no. narrative. Grief is not linear in any way, shape or form. It's chaotic. It is extremely chaotic. So there's this fantastic diagram. On one side, it's got this very linear line showing the various stages of grief. Beside it, it has the stages of grief, and in the middle is a big scribble. Because we 
you know, you're not just going to go through um, denial, anger, bargaining. It's not, it just doesn't happen that way. And uh, grief is more like uh, an ocean with waves. Yeah. There are going to be days when the waves are crashing and you just feel like you're drowning in it. And there'll be other days when it's actually quite calm and you feel like you can come up for air. There'll be moments when it's like that. There'll be days when it's like that. Yeah. And it's really, you know, one of the things I, one of the conversations I often have with the people I talk about is that. And that just hits home for them because they're like, yeah, that makes so much sense. Because, you know, I'll go along and I'll think, oh, I was having a really good day yesterday. And then this morning I woke up and bam, I just feel like crap again. As you said that, oh, that just makes sense. Your whole body settled and you like relaxed. Is that, you're back at validation, aren't you? Of, hey, what you're experiencing, this unpredictability, it's real. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so important to, to validate that for people. Because all around them, they feel like they're surrounded by people who are saying, well, come on, it's been a couple of months. You oh. should be getting out by now. Aren't you going to clean out the wardrobe? Do you think you should sell the car and get something smaller? Maybe the house is a bit big for you now. When are you going to go back to work? Are you going to come back to that social club that you belong to? What are you going to do? What are you doing with your days? And it's just, you know, one of the things I say to people is, look, do you know what? Grief happens on your time frame. It doesn't happen on anyone else's time frame. It's yours because it's your grief. There's no prescription for this. You know, there's no, you can't sort of go on Google and say, how long shall I grieve for? It just doesn't work that way. It's yours and you need to go through it. However, you need to and in as much time as you need to. People get surprised that it comes back? Yep. Yeah, because they think, oh, but I was doing so well. And then, I don't know. So, so, what, so looked, what, does, what does that look like? What, what sort of things have you the experienced? Little, there's lots of people? triggers that people will have. You know, I was talking to someone the other day and she was looking in a bag. Um, <clears throat> and uh, she was looking for something in a bag and she came across something that her husband had popped in there. But do you know what she said? And this was amazing. She said, you know, after he first died, within the first couple of weeks, she said, I would have just fallen to bits. But, you know, now I've got a bit of space. It's been a few weeks or, you know, nearly two months since he passed away. And um, I actually had kind of a warm feeling. I thought, oh, typical of him to have put that in there for me. Wow. Yeah. So, but for for someone else, though, that might have been devastating. That might have been enough for them to just collapse and cry. And that's the other thing. People go, I'm just crying all the time. And it's like, yeah, there's going to be days like that, you know. Anger. Yeah, it's interesting, anger. Yeah. Um, Whether it's anger at the dead person or whether it's anger at the people around who could have done something else, could have done more so that that person didn't die. I feel afraid just listening to you say that. I've just got really tense. Oh. Mm. Yep. Yep. I've had I've had angry people on the phone. I've had angry people start off angry at me because they can't there's no one else to be angry at anymore. And they've said all the other angry stuff to the people around that they can. Oh and look, oh here's someone else I can be angry at. And so that conversation is really just kind of talking them down. Just saying, What's going on? You know, what's what happened? Do you want to tell me what happened? 
And sometimes just being able to tell that story again is enough. And then being able to talk them through, so what what do you need? What do you need to do with this? Okay. Okay. Hmm. We're back at that key question that you're offering hmm. for people to support someone who's living in grief. Hmm. And And I guess that's the question that the person grieving we need to ask ourselves. Yes? Yeah, we need to learn when we're grieving. What do I need? You um, have talked about making space to grieve. What do you mean? <laughs> is this the be alone thing again? What, what is no, it? No, no, no. It's making emotional space for grief. Oof, what does that mean? <laughs> it's like telling myself we need to talk. Oh, I don't want that. I don't oh, no. I've got yeah. tense again. Yeah. Oh, no, calm, calm. <laughs> you. Feel yourself in the chair. Warm, cool breeze. That's right. Warm, cool beach. Hands, you can feel your hands. You can see them. Um... Making space for grief is allowing it to have a place in your life. So often people will fill up their lives with lots of busyness so they don't have to acknowledge the grief, they don't have to feel the grief, they don't have to live with the grief. Because I'm so busy, I've got so much going on. Do you get this on the phone with people? Yep, Yep, absolutely. And they're proud of themselves. What do they say? They say, oh, well, you know, I'm keeping myself busy and there's lots to do around the house and I've gone back to this club and that club and I'm seeing lots of people. I'm at work. Yeah, and I'm at work and there's all of that. So no, 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 that's all good. Now, look, part of my job... Is it all good? <laughs> sometimes it is, and then they, the longer you talk to them, uh, sometimes if the conversation does carry on for a little bit, then you start to sort of get some other things, like, oh, yeah, but, you know, nighttime's really hard because I'm on my own, and, you know, that's when I'm not busy, so that's when it is really difficult, and that's a really common thing that I hear. So busy, 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 busy during the day, all good, thinking I'm doing really well and I'm handling this, you know, darkness falls... Everyone's disappeared. Maybe they're alone. Um, that's when it gets really lonely and hard. So how how does making space work and making emotional space? What do you mean? What, what, what do you recommend? There's there's two parts to this conversation with people. So one part is to say, look, that's fantastic that you've got back to work. That's amazing that you're getting back into your activities. Good on you, because that's really hard to do. Really hard to do. So good on you for doing that. And that has benefits, right? That's right. Absolutely. Economic you... benefits, social connecting benefits. Yep. yep, absolutely. Okay. Yep. So it's not to say it's not important. But then the other part of the conversation is saying, so what you know, what do you do? So, you know, at nighttime when you when you do feel really lonely, what do you do? Do you um do you just take some time to just sort of to just sit and be? Do you listen to music? Do you do you talk to your your spouse who died. Do you just have a bit of a chat with them and tell them about your day? What do you do? Because a lot of people do. They have photos and they come home and they talk to them. And they think they're nuts. But it's a wonderful, lovely thing. Are they nuts? No. Are you no. sure? Yeah. <laughs> well. I know you've studied on this and you've qualified on it, right? So what, what do you, what's, what's the fear that says I'm nuts? And, and what is it that says no? You're... Because they're talking to a dead person. They're talking to someone who's not physically there. What my job is to let them know is that person is still there. You carry that person with you everywhere all the time. You carry the memory of them. You carry the love you had for them. You carry them in your heart. They're with you all the time. It's perfectly okay that you want to come home and tell them about your day. It's perfectly okay. And if you want to have a photo set up and you want to talk to that photo and tell them about what you did today how you met the girls for lunch or you played golf or you went to work or whatever it is 
If that makes you feel good, do it. There's a whole theory of, and it's really important that when it comes to grief, it's about continuing bonds. And it's and basically what that means is is even after death is maintaining that connection with that person, because society for so long wanted us to just go, well they're dead now, you have to move on, get over it and move on, that's it, done. And actually, that's the worst thing you can do is try to forget that that person ever existed, because they were such an important part of your life. Why should you forget that they existed? And so if we can maintain a connection with them in some way, shape or form, and that's keeping those memories alive, keeping that love with us, whatever it is, that really does help us with our grieving process. Do you know how it helps or why it helps? Um, it's because you are, is part of it's a sort of a physical thing and part of it's an emotional thing. It's about not having to break that connection, which is like wrenching, isn't it? Whereas if we can maintain that connection with that person, they're still, they're still a part of our lives. We're not having to cut off a lot. We're not cutting off an arm or a hand. I guess what I'm reflecting on when you say continuing bonds, and I had a conversation in, in, in one of these at a loss podcast conversations with a, a very a very young man, 18, nearly 19-year-old young man, funeral director's assistant at um, Davis Funerals. And he talked about a, a moment when one of his teachers from his early days in Kura, right, as he phoned him for advice about taking care of a dead relative, right? I'm reflecting on teachers I've had in my life, right? Mr. Perry, Ms. Wood, right? Who shaped me as a boy, and I still... I've never seen them again, you know? Like, I mean, it's 40 years later. But I still have... Is that is that a bo- is that what you're talking about? In a way, yes. You, they're okay. still part of you, aren't they? Please you're still out. carrying them with you. You haven't gone, oh, well, that's that. You know, that part of my life is, is in the past now. They, they don't exist anymore. I get it. Thank you. Mm. All right. Okay, mm. that works. I'm interested in talking to you lastly then about how did you end up here? Like, um, so often when I listen to people who do work around grief, loss death um there was a moment when death visited into their life and they became you know so was there a child yeah i grew up around death Uh, my parents were funeral directors and so my part-time job was uh polishing the caskets and stuffing the little pillows with shredded paper and stapling them together um um I was the only child at home, so often if my parents were working over in the funeral parlour at night, um, I would over be I would be over there with them, riding around on the little trolleys like my on my cars. I would often go with my dad when he had to pick up a body from the hospital morgue, for example. Um, we'd be we'd be riding back. It, it was one funny story is he. Uh, my dad was a classic for saying, oh, I've just got to stop and uh, pop in here and get something. And he'd end up having a yarn for ages. And there was this one time we'd come back and there was a body in the back of the car. So I was bored. So I just started chatting to the body in the back of the car. Because what else are you going to do? I think I was about 10 at the time. So, you know, this has been a huge part of my life. And when I was trying to think about what to do with my life, when I started training as a counsellor, you have to think about practicum placements and where you're going to go. I actually sat down and had a really good think about what I wanted to do as a counsellor, what do I want to do? So I approached Mercy Hospice and said, would you be willing to take me on as an intern? And they did. So I spent a year there uh, as a counsellor, an intern counsellor. 
And from there, I managed to get a job working for the Grief Centre. It was just, there's something in me that, that this is, I'm drawn to this. Uh, helping people, supporting people through what you could argue is one of the worst times in their lives. And the only one that is completely unavoidable and beyond anyone's control to influence. So it's coming. Yes. 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 Yeah. You can't avoid death. Maria, thank you for... I really, the time has gone so fast and I really enjoyed the conversation and your comfort with this. Um, you know, what, what, I'm, what I'm taking away from this conversation for me is some really great advice. And I think the fundamental question is, what do you need? Right? And, 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 I, and I get, in all aspects, it's what do you need? So you've given me a really, really useful tool and a guide. Thank you. And, and for me, I was a bit staggered when I asked you what is grief and it is the reaction that comes, the response or what comes up when we have lost something that is of meaning to us, correct? Yes. Oh, I've never had a meaning of grief before. Mm. That's what I've got out of this conversation. Thank you. You're welcome. We're going to conclude and, and you know what would you like for someone listening to take away from this this time that you've given Oh gosh, there's lots I could say, but what I will say, and I guess the most important thing, is allow yourself to feel your grief. It's normal, it's okay, it's important to feel your grief. If you don't feel it now, it will come back later. And be kind to yourself while you're feeling this grief, because it's a hard time. If I feel it now, does that mean it won't come back later? No, there's no guarantee of that. But what it does do is just help you understand it and it helps you work through it. Maybe it won't come, maybe the waves won't crash quite so forcefully on the beach. I might be able to duck dive under one or two, perhaps. Mm, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> um, the Grief Centre has a website? Yes, we do. Yes, yes, it's um, griefcentre.co.nz. Okay, cool. And your work's done on the phone? My work is done on the phone. We also do have face-to-face counsellors, but yeah. the work that we do specifically with the funeral homes all on the phones. So um, I don't actually see the people I talk to. Yeah, how frightfully modern. Yeah, you could argue that. I really appreciate your time and the conversation. Thank you. That has enriched Adelos, a, a series about living fully alongside grief and and enjoying an enriched life when death makes itself present. Mm-hmm.